hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to the fourth episode of Small Market Startup, where this week we'll be interviewing my new friend, Shelly Kay. Now, Shelly is not exactly in the startup space, but has a super interesting perspective that I wanted to explore with her this week. Shelly is a career and personal coach, working with career-driven women to find balance in their lives and exploring how this balance can actually lead to even greater success in the workspace uh, and in life. We dove right into this idea of balance in life and how much passion drives our motivations and desire to succeed, especially when times get tough and as we progress in our lives and our careers. Uh, This was such a great conversation, touching so many aspects of this work-life balance issue that I'm exploring. I know I got so much out of this interview, and I hope you will too. All right, let's jump right into the interview. You're listening to the Small Market Startup Podcast, where I interview founders, VCs, and other stakeholders in startup land to explore the dichotomy between quality of life and success when trying to grow a company from zero to, well, infinity. My name is Kyle McLeod, and I'm a product consultant in the startup world. And as I go on my own journey of consulting with startups and starting my own businesses, I'm learning from some amazing people what it takes to create a thriving startup while focusing on family, quality of life, and mental health. If you're in the process or even thinking about starting a business and you care about these things too, this is the podcast for you. You can find me at Cloud99 Consulting, and I'd love to hear your thoughts or if you or someone you know would want to be on the show. All right, let's get to work. All right, welcome back to Small Market Startup, where this week we'll be talking with Shelly Kay. Now, I've uh, met Shelly a couple times and super excited to have her on the program um, a little bit different than what I have done um, so far, where Shelly's not specifically involved in the startup market. However, she runs this uh, great coaching business, trying to get career-driven women to find passion and balance in their careers, um, which I think is very, uh, very much in line with what I'm exploring more on the startup side, but really understanding that balance is key to a healthy life um, and love to uh, you know pick her brain about what tips and tricks she gives women um, to actually find that balance. So welcome to the program, Shelly. Thank you. Glad to be here. And thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for joining. Um, So yeah, to kick it off, I mean, can you tell me how you got into coaching? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, was previously in HR for about 12 years, not in the startup world, in like I started in very old school corporate settings um, and then most recently worked in tech. But having um, having all of that experience being on, quote unquote, the other side of things gives you an interesting perspective about corporate politics and how things are run, how they work, and seeing a variety of experiences in the workplace. Like I saw people who had amazing balance and were loving what they were doing and were crushing it. And I saw people who were like burnt out and running themselves ragged and probably like counting down the days to retirement. Um, Did you ever get to the point where you could like guess based on some, some, personality traits or other factors, like <laughs> this person's going to burn out. Like you just, you can call it at, you know, early, um, just seeing uh, common patterns. 
Yeah, like certain projects for sure. When you would like see, you know, something that you knew was going to involve a lot of travel and a lot of hours and, you know, you think it's going to be six months, ends up taking 10. And, you know, there's just certain circumstances where we would know, okay, like we need to keep an eye on that individual or we need to create some space to have additional headcount or something um, because, yeah, there's there were definitely certain circumstances that I know, like, add up to disaster, <laughs> burnout. So when did you yeah. start realizing this was a problem that you felt like you could solve in a different capacity? Yeah, I think a couple of things. I had my own experience also, like at the beginning of my career, definitely when I was trying to prove myself a bit more, I would work to the expense of anything, like my health, Mm -hmm. my happiness, my relationships, like work was number one. So finding that own, my own balance in that where, Hey, I can show up and thrive in my career because I do like to work and I do enjoy like the challenge and all of that. I find purpose in my career. I can do that and I can do it in a way that supports a very full life for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, so having my own journey and then just witnessing a lot of individuals who didn't feel empowered to claim that for themselves, whether it was pursuing work that they were actually lit up by or setting boundaries and scaling back a little bit or trusting that if they work in a different way, they're still going to have impact. Um, And as an HR professional, you represent the company. And I like, I love HR people. I think that there's so much good work done there. And you're limited with how you can respond to certain situations because it's it's in a professional setting. It's not in a personal setting. And I'm like, man, I have so much knowledge to give someone and so many tips to share, but this isn't really my capacity as an HR person. And I can be having such a deeper impact if I do this on my own. So that, yeah, that's how I got to where we are now. That's awesome. So how, how should I ask this? Uh, were, were you thinking about this for a while and then you kind of finally decide, decided to pull the trigger? Like how, how long was that process of um, going from, hey, I see a problem to, hey, I, I can solve this problem and I'm going to go do it? Yeah, it was, it was definitely like I got clarity in phases. Um, so in my own career journey, I would pursue opportunities that I was increasingly passionate about and environments that I felt were conducive to like my happiness, my health, you know, the place I wanted to be. And then at the same time, I felt that I just had a bigger purpose in what I wanted to do. And I love so many aspects of HR and I was really happy in my career. And I was like, you know, I just think like this isn't it. Like I've like done everything that I know how as 
an employee, an HR person to like maximize on things. And I, I'm like really happy. Things are great, but I actually know that they can be even better and I can feel more connected to my purpose and impact. So it's kind of like I took multiple steps along the way of like, I started in finance, moved into HR. Then I was in HR, changed companies, changed locations, went into tech, you know? And so it's like all these little things. I'm like, it is keeping, it is getting better and better. But, um, but I have a bigger calling and, and so that's why that's kind of like what it led to. But ultimately I just interacted with people every day and I felt that I could be better service of them in a different capacity. So it's kind of like this nudge that kept building. Have you been able to help any of those same people, like reach out to them after the fact, you know, now that you're doing your own thing and, uh help them? Yes. That was a bit, that was how I got all my first clients was reaching out because I had stayed in touch with people via LinkedIn, via email. And like some of them, I even had, you know, we had gone on work trips together. So we texted. Um, and I was like, Hey, I'm doing this thing now. Like, do you want to be a part of it? And that's how I got my first six clients was all through just reaching out to people already in my network and I already had that coaching-esque relationship with them. And um, yeah, it was like a really nice, natural flow into entrepreneurship. That's awesome. So take me through your, uh, your philosophy as a coach. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, first of all, my dream for everyone is that they have work that they're passionate about and lit up by, mm -hmm. and that supports a full and balanced life. So those are like, it's kind of like the two things. First of mm -hmm. all, like let's focus on the work and how to make that as good as possible. And then, and when that's really good and, you know, kind of like balanced, then let's also focus on the outside of work piece and, um, and like what having that solid career can really support in your life. Because the work and life, they go together. And I think we talk about work-life balance as like, here's work, here's life. And then they're on this like balance scale of like, when one's good, the other's horrible. When the other's good, you know, the opposite is horrible. And <clears throat> my philosophy is that that's actually not the case. I think that when, with the right tools and support, your work can really support a phenomenal lifestyle and Absolutely. having a lifestyle that supports your health, your relationships, your interests is just going to make you better and more fulfilled in work. Like it's like a, a harmony piece, like an orchestra, right? Like just because like the violin is really doing great doesn't mean you, I don't even know orchestra instruments, but like, does it mean that the cello is like suffering right now? Like they're both yeah. complementing each other and together they create something really nice. And so, um, I, yeah, so it's like, they're not in competition. They're here to support each other and having both of those things is possible for every single yeah. person. Well, I'm really glad you brought that up and, and said that because I, I feel like, you know, just in conversations I've had with people, when you talk too much about this work-life balance and, you know, the thing that I'm exploring and obviously what you're really passionate about is, 
you know, focusing on when we say balance that some people see that as, oh, well, you just want to not work hard. But the point is that, you know, for me personally, if I didn't have work, like I would go nuts. I couldn't be a, you know, sorry, I couldn't be a, you know, trust fund kid or something where like, even if I had a billion dollars, like I would still want to work. I maybe wouldn't work, you know, 40, 50, 60 hours a week, but at the same time, like work fulfills life in a way that life or that the outside of work can't and outside of work fulfills your life the way that, you know, work can't. So it really is key to have that balance. Yes. And uh, so I completely agree. I'm the same way. And all the people that I work with are the same way in that they really, there's a sense of purpose and fulfillment in their work. And that is an important part of who they are and, you know, what they're here to do. Um, Especially in the startup world, we see that a lot. Like, oh yeah, people really buying in. And that's actually, I feel like one thing that drives a lot of that overwork is people getting so passionate, so incredibly invested in, in driving something that they, you know, even without other outside factors, you know, they can drive themselves crazy just on internal pressure. Yes, I, I can see that. That makes sense. And then I think there's this other end of the spectrum that's also been spoken about a lot of quiet quitting. And mm. I'm just going to do yeah. the bare minimum and, and that type of thing. And um, it like breaks my heart when I hear about that because I know how much potential there is to find that joy and fulfillment from your job. And you don't have to work yourself to the bone to get that joy and fulfillment. Um, and I think when we get to the place of like, well, I am just going to clock in and clock out. Like we're actually robbing ourselves of something that can really give us energy and bring satisfaction. Um, But to like have the challenge and the satisfaction and the progression and the impact, you don't have to kill yourself. There's like, there's an in-between. Yeah. And like, and some of us, like it's self-driven and others it's the environment, but yeah. Well, I guess, and and that's a really good point. You know, you hear a lot about quiet quitting lately and um, people kind of just phoning it in, especially, you know, it's one of the number one arguments against remote work, especially from people who are a little bit more old school that, yeah. oh, it, you know, people are just not going to do it or they're going to be working three jobs and not putting as much effort into this. Um, so f- for people like that, I guess, from, from your perspective and what you help women with, how do you address when we'll start with this side of the coin when a job is not fulfilling when they feel like i mean i can see a couple factors potentially either they're they just don't really care about the product or you know what they're working on they don't care about the job they don't like the actual particulars of the job that they are doing whether they're in hr or sales or whatever they're not happy there or um from an external factor they're they feel like they're underappreciated or underpaid and why, you know, kind of get that attitude of why should I put all of my effort in here? So when you, or, you know, obviously some combination thereof. So when you hear that from women, if, you know, starting on this side, when you hear that from some of the people you work with, what, what is your approach there? Yeah. So we really start by getting clear about 
who they are, like what their values are and what their mission or purpose is. Because I find that so often we start our careers with a certain idea. Like I think you and I are perfect examples. Like we're not doing anything like when we graduated college, right? (laughs) Um, But we, and then our career kind of drives us instead of us driving the career. And then you wake up and you're like, I'm not even into this. Like what happened? So it's like- I've been there. (laughs) Yeah. So it's this like- actually just like journey of discovery of, Hey, like a client that I'm working with right now, creativity is huge for her. And she got promoted into a role where she's no longer using creativity. And so Mm. just, but sometimes you need to do that, like step back exercise to say like, okay, well, what's actually important to me now? Or maybe you've become a parent or maybe you've had a health crisis and your values and priorities have changed but you haven't changed your environment. And so now it just doesn't feel right. So getting really clear on that is number one. And just having that awareness changes things for people right away because you can make small choices to better honor those things. What is the point that you see when a, a, a promotion or you know additional money, additional... Um, actual kind of physical, you know, something substantive no longer overrides the idea of passion with your work. So someone like that, obviously you said they got promoted and they're not using creativity anymore, but that's a passion for them. At what point does it become, okay, the the, the extra money, the extra security is no longer worth it. Um, do you see that really depending on circumstance or even maybe their ability to fulfill those creative passions in a side project and kind of just get through the day? You know, what, what's the path forward yeah. there usually? Yeah, I have had a couple of clients who have pursued side projects, um, but the majority of the people, like 95% of the women that I work with, they come to me when they got the promotion mm-hmm. and then six months to 12 months later they're like, this isn't bringing me the happiness that I thought it would. And I'm miserable. So it's usually because there's that initial Mm. high from getting more money. Oh, now I like a new car, new house or like savings or whatever. Like that's exciting. And the recognition and, you know, like more stature or influence or whatever it is. And then it's when it wears off and you you've you kind of checked the boxes of what you wanted to accomplish and then it's like wait but this does not feel the way that i thought it would that's usually the point where people are then like i need to do something differently i need to figure this out i need help figuring it out yeah very interesting so i, I I want to, you know, also touch on kind of the other side of the coin, but, you know, just while I have this in my head, how do you see the split, you know, in people that you work with or even people from your past that you've seen between that idea of needing passion for the job versus too much passion and not enough time spent, you know, with the balance um, on the other side? Like, is there, is it a pretty even split or I imagine in the corporate world, you have more people who are like, full on go-getters and, you know, heads down and kind of at the expense of everything else. Yes. I think, 
I attract people who have lost the passion. Like they're realizing mm. the passion isn't there. And so that's what they come to me with. Um, gotcha. But yes. Yeah, so that's pretty much everyone <laughs> that I work with. I'm like trying to think of someone yeah. who has the passion, but just not the balance. But yes, though that everyone is like, yeah. They've so that's hit the this common point. thread. Yeah. Thought they were really diving into something and then kind of lost the passion. Yeah. So, you know, with that, uh, obviously everyone's a little bit different, but, you know, you talked about first step is understanding, you know, having some introspection and understanding what you are passionate about and where you want to go. What's the next step after that? Yeah. The next step is really changing your own beliefs about what's possible for you. Because, um, and I'll just give my own example. I was in corporate for 12 years and I left and I thought, this is when things are going to change so much for me. I'm going to have so much freedom. I'm going to have so much flexibility. I'm my own boss. Life is going to be great. And let me tell you that I had the same exact habits when I left corporate as I had when I was in corporate. And so, and my mindset was corporate is the problem. Corporate is holding me back Mm -hmm. from these things that I want. But actually, fast forward into entrepreneurship, I couldn't blame anyone else. And I was holding (laughs) myself back. So I think it's like just changing your perspective about what is possible for you and what is effective in the workplace. It's like one thing Mm. that I say often to my clients, um, which I think females probably resonate with more, but I'll still share, is you are not a workhorse, you are a unicorn. Mm. So changing from this, especially early on in your career, it's like (laughs) taskmaster, get it done, back-to-back meetings. Like how can I just like check stuff off the box and just be productive, in quotes. Mm -hmm. And to actually increase your income and connect with this passion and purpose, it's about changing the way that you work. So instead of your taskmaster abilities being your strength, you need to recognize what your other strengths are. Like you are a perfect example, Kyle. You, like when I first met you, you were like, I speak CEO and I speak tech talk. And that's like my intersection of you know, genius is that I can do both of these things. Like if you were stuck coding for 14 hours a day, like the world would be missing out on this unique intersection gift that you have. So it's helping people understand what are those things for them, whether it is your creativity, whether it's your influence, whether it's your relationship building skills and Believing and committing to maximizing on those things is the path forward where I will still be productive. I can still create impact. I can still do these things just in a different way that better serves me, my health, my balance. Um, But ultimately, it's going to serve everyone around you better as well. Absolutely. I mean, that's very well said. Um, No, I think that's... uh, Really great. And I, I love your uh, workhorse to unicorn analogy. <laughs> um, so I imagine that sometimes that is a very 
big hill to climb for a lot of people, especially, you know, I have, you know, (laughs) in so many ways, you know, the way the world works, I'm lucky that I am a white guy and uh, don't have to face a lot of the issues, um, you know, that arise with other groups. And, um, you know, as much as I try to empathize, uh, you know, there's only so much that I can understand, but, um, from your perspective and from what I understand, you know, it's just, it's always been, you know, much more difficult. And from a a career driven woman like yourself, um, and like, I'm sure a lot of your clients, I'm, guessing that it feels, you know, from a very young age, that much harder, they have to work that much harder to get to the same level. So you have it ingrained in you from this early time that there is no slacking off, there is no caring what my passion is. Like, if I want to even get to the same level as this other person who probably frankly is dumber than me, and doesn't work as hard, I have to work five times, 10 times as hard. And, you know, it seems like in, at least in, you know, the tech world that has been changing, which is a great thing that we're seeing so much more diversity and so much more, um, inclusivity, uh, in understanding a lot of this, but I I'm sure it's, you know, it's still so, so ingrained from such a young age. So how do you get over that hill? How do you convince, how do you convince these women that like, you're allowed to do this. You have permission. You have, and not just permission, but encouragement to go do this. Yes, it is. So one thing is that we start small, right? Like, (laughs) you know, going like just whatever that kind of 10% outside your comfort zone edge is, that's where we start. So you're not going from zero to 100 But what I really emphasize, because you're exactly right, like those people pleaser workhorse tendencies start from the very beginning because there is this, you know, inherent pressure of like, I have to do in order to get where I want to go. And what I tell my clients over and over again is what got you where you are now is not what's going to get you where you want to be. So Mm, we have to change behaviors. Like if you want a different result, and I, you know, at the very beginning, I like, we talk a lot about what opens up for you when you are passionate about your work, when you do have this full lifestyle that you really love, like all those things, all those ripple effects and just continuing to come back to that place of how important that vision is and um, using that as the motivation to make changes that feel really scary. Um, But ultimately, there's also a shift in, um, in what we view as like effective, effectively showing up in the workplace. Because a lot of those like tendencies to people please or just take on more and more can impact our ability to be perceived as a leader. So starting to change the behaviors and also emphasizing that in the long run, although there's that transitionary period, in the long run, 
it only helps you in how you're perceived and how you're able to lead in the workplace as well. And set an example for other women about what's possible, right? Because ultimately the system is far from perfect and there Mm -hmm. are lots of areas for improvement, but as women to, for the change that we desire to fully come to fruition, we also have to be leading it and living it and being an example for what's possible, like in conjunction with broader cultural changes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I think, yeah. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, we're still fighting that battle, but um, you know, great to see that you can push towards that change in a way that also takes into consideration, you know, not treating, you know, these women as like, oh, you know, we have to coddle you in some way and and help you along your path. It's like, you know, these are all very strong women, I'm sure that you work with um, and smart and driven. And so how do you give yourself permission and manage that while also saying, I'm still the same person. I still have goals. I still have a career. I still want to do this, this, and this. I just want to, in, you know, have a life as well. Yes. Yes. So once you get to that point of, you know, starting to convince them to mm-hmm. take those steps and maybe make some changes, whether it's a side project or take some steps within their job, I'm, I'm assuming that at least for some of them, there's there's a point, there's a, there's a point where you actually have to make a big change. Um, yeah. For some of them. Yes. And it happens more naturally than you think, which is so interesting. Like a lot of times I'll be working with clients and we'll be focusing on, okay, you know, how to step into this leadership position and delegate more so that you can do the things that you're passionate about or whatever it is. And opportunities will come up organically. Um, which actually, I would say that happens like almost 70% of the time, um, that it, once they start changing their behaviors and their perspectives, things will start to shift in their favor, like more quickly than you would even anticipate. Um, but everyone's different. Everyone's journey is different. Mm -hmm. And for some people, yes, it is changing companies, changing functions, you know, changing, um, yeah, like lines of work, whatever it is. And I think the most, the most helpful part is like having that foundation of why you're doing it and being really clear about what your passions are and what your true, like your unicorn qualities or strengths, Mm -hmm. if you will, being able to talk about those things with a completely new sense of confidence and perspective makes that process a lot easier. For sure. I think that's just, a, I mean, it just, that really strikes me as a great lesson for, for everybody. Um, that great things happen when you uh, allow them to, when you allow yourself yeah. to be you and allow a, you know, a natural balance to kind of take hold when you're not trying to press in one direction or another. Um, and, you know, for a lot of the, the crowd who, you know, listens to this is, 
maybe that change that you need to make is going and starting a startup and going down that path where you can, you know, even though my hypothesis is around having, you know, starting a startup, but not working yourself to death, even though you're pursuing something you're passionate about, you know, I I think part of that, part of that work-life balance, quote unquote, that balance is having that passion. So, you know, even if you are working super hard, if it is on, if you do believe in it, if you have that passion in, in a lot of ways, that is balance in and of itself. And really the enemy here is being stuck in a, in a way or a place that you're not passionate about that you're not happy with, whether that is in work or life. Yes. 100%. Because that passion ultimately energizes you um, Mm -hmm. and fuels other areas of your life. And I think in those cases, it's just keeping in mind what your long-term vision is and for the goals that you have outside of the startup environment, making sure that you're still honoring them in the process. Yeah. So um, let's switch gears just a little bit and talk about kind of outside of work. So how do you bring in this idea of the life part of the balance uh, into the equation? Yes. So what's very interesting is that often the patterns that you see in the career are mirrored in the outside of work. So if there are concerns about setting boundaries or, you know, trusting the value or the impact that you're bringing in the office, there's usually some of that taking place outside of work as well. Um, So it's similar in coming back to what you really love to do, what nourishes you and gives you energy that ultimately will serve you, you know, back in your career and pursuing those things. So for some people, it might be the meditation, working out. For other people, it's like reading the New York Times or a fiction book or whatever, but just knowing what are these things that fill me back up probably not scrolling on your phone for two hours on your couch, right? Like just how can I be super intentional about this time outside of the office so that it is filling me back up and that I'm getting, I'm like pursuing my other interests as well. Because you don't want Mm -hmm. your entire identity to be just your career, right? Like as career driven, passionate people, it's easy for that to happen. Um, But to have just to know what those non-work passions, interests, and things that really nourish you are, and making them a priority, whatever that looks like. So I want to double click on something that you said um, around, you see that the same patterns that people have at work, um, workaholic status, you know, pushing themselves beyond their limit. How how does that manifest outside of work? And what are some things that like people can watch out for? And like, you know, some things that, Hey, if I see this kind of happening in my own life that, you know, they need to take a second and take note. Yeah. So the example that's coming to me, which you'll appreciate living in bend is an extreme career person 
also being a career, like an extreme sport person, right? Doing like mm. ultra marathons or like, <laughs> you know, extreme rock climbing every weekend. And I think that is super, super common. And yeah. um, in those situations, it's really frequent that you'll see someone go all in, all out mm-hmm. in both their career and their passion and then crash, right? Like have some type of injury or like whatever. Yeah, that's so interesting that you said that. I think that's such an amazing analogy because, you know, one thing that I push for and I appreciate my my outdoor life, you know, I appreciate going mountain biking and, you know, some people call it extreme, uh, but that's more in like the type that I do. And I appreciate yeah. going on the river and doing all this stuff. And that's a big part of, you know, what kind of started this podcast is, someplace in Bend being able to have all these outside passions and explore all this. But I think that's such an interesting point that the people who go all out, you know, or or have those type of personalities. And if they are going all out on the workplace, they might also be going all out because that's just how their, how their mind works. And it's, you know, the, it really mirrors. I, I never really thought about it that way, how much that could mirror a career and what you're doing at work. And it, it really is to your point, the same for extreme sports is if you are not careful, not only burnout is a, is a very real possibility, but injury and, yes. you know, that's physical injury, but also, you know, kind of from a work perspective, you know, what the, what the analogy is there with a work injury, but essentially just like losing your mind and <laughs> just, you know, essentially saying one day I quit, like I can't do this anymore. So that's, uh, that's something really interesting. I hadn't really thought of that parallel. Yes. Yeah. It's a very common parallel. Like I can't tell you how many clients I have like super successful women and they're running marathons and they're doing triathlons and they're, you know, do they go to yoga twice a day for, you know, (laughs) like whatever it is. So super, super common. And I think this is when it's so important to have that connection to yourself and your body and being able to just listen to the signals and give yourself permission to slow down. Because like that intense energy, don't get me wrong. I love an intense activity every once in a while. Hmm. But when you're bringing that intensity to everything, it's a sign that you're not, you're not recharging. So like just noticing like the sleep or I don't know, whatever, maybe you get headaches, whatever it is, but like paying attention and honoring those things. Well, and it's great that you pointed out that it's about the intensity and not necessarily the activity. You know, sometimes on the work side, it really is about the activity that you're doing. You got promoted to a job that you really don't like or something like that. But, you know, your friend really could just love running and love biking and love doing yoga. Yes. But it's it's not about cutting out the activity, but about managing your relationship to it. Exactly. Exactly. So bring this all together for me. Let's, we can kind of take these, these different things that we've talked about. So, you know, kind of overall when you're, when you're 
meeting with a client for the first time and let's say they kind of fall within your the standard range or kind of the average of what you see um yeah you know it seems like it's a lot of identification to start and then just really getting to the heart of of who they are and giving them a lot of these permission to to slow down to choose who they want to be um am i kind of getting that right Yeah, exactly. It all starts with the clarity on like who you are and where you want to go, this life that you want to create for yourself. And then usually like the first part in terms of doing some of these changes is to first get rid of what is not working. Like what is, what am I currently spending my time on that does not align with this clarity? And that creates space to then add in what is going to help you and experiment, right? It's not Mm. perfect, but I think it's so easy to like, be like, I'm burnt out. You Google an article and then it's like, meditate every day and be off your screen for two hours before bed and make sure that you (laughs) eat vegetables 20 times a week or whatever it is. And it's like, we're focusing on all these things to add to our plate, which actually becomes more stressful. So I first like take the things off the plate so then you can add later. Um, and and from there, it's just about fine tuning and um, and tweaking. And at that point, like you've done the mindset work, you you've done some trial and error. So my clients really, like after we do three months together, like they can really lead themselves on, that next step. Like it's one of those things that once you take the time to do the exploration, it's, it's just a skill that you have with you forever. And that like shapes your long-term career, which is the ultimate goal. Yeah. No, I think there's a lot of great lessons in here. And obviously your, your focus is based on your history um, and everything, but you know, I think there's a lot of great lessons that everyone can bring to their lives. And one reason I love Bend is it allows you to have that focus. Um, But I really like the point you made about not getting too focused on any one thing, you know, diving into any one thing too much, taking some of that away and allowing yourself to have some of that space to, to pursue, you know, different interests and things that are going to make you happy. And I think that identifying is really a key point and people do have trouble with is saying, even though I'm doing this all the time, I need to identify these areas that, um, you know, I think I'm okay, but like, oh yeah, this actually is making me unhappy. So what can I actually do about it? And it's not just about like, you know, throwing your life in the garbage, you know, all this thing, all these things that you've worked for and starting over, Um, I've, I, I, you know, I've been there. I've, I I have pretty much fully started over, but the more I've gone down this path, you know, over the last eight years or whatever, um, is that there's so much that you can still learn and take from it. And I'm learning, you know, taking all those lessons and building towards, you know, what I want to do. So I think there's some great lessons in there about passion, um, passion, but balance. Yes. Yes, exactly. And there is no such thing as starting over. I completely like every, you are in the perfect spot. You are perfectly prepared for whatever it is that 
you want to call in. Yeah. Um, all right. So last thing um, that I've wanted to kind of start doing is um, kind of just a speed round at the end to, um, you know, uh, learn about you. Um, so yeah. what is your favorite thing to do in Bend? Mountain biking is the first thing that came to mind, but on the very easy trails. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's your favorite mountain bike trail? I, I like going on Marvin's garden at Phil's Marvin's garden to KGB, hmm. I think. Yeah. Nice okay. little seven mile loop that I enjoy. There you go. Um, you're from Seattle, right? I'm from Wisconsin, but I lived in, in Seattle. Seattle before here. You lived yeah. That's right. Um, so I was going to say, is there anything you miss about Seattle? But is there anything you miss about any of the other places you came from that Ben doesn't have necessarily? That's a great question. Yes. Uh, like a large retail store, like a Nordstrom. Mm. That's the only we thing do have a, I wish. A small Macy's. I've heard there's a Macy's. I need to check it out. Um, yeah, that's the only thing I would add to Bend. Ah, okay. That's a good one. Um, any good shows you're watching right now? <laughs> this is embarrassing. I watch the Kardashians every week. Um, and it really, Ooh. it really just helps me escape the world because this is a perfect example of we can't take everything so seriously. Absolutely. And that is my 45 minutes to an hour of like, this is doing nothing for my brain and I'm just going to enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. So what is, uh, what is your, what's your go-to relaxing activity? Uh, really anything like the couch with my dog is just my chill space. Um, like nice. you just with some, even I got some my... nice music. It's yeah. Grounds me. Um, I also do enjoy some restorative yoga. Okay. There you go. It's all about that balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, last question. Are you looking forward to or dreading the snow that has been coming down? Once I have my winter clothes, I am looking forward to it. I love the snow. I love winter. Perfect. Well, yeah, hopefully this will be a good winter for us. Obviously coming yes. early, we tend to get a little bit of a warm up after this, but. Okay. Um, all right. So last, last thing, where can anyone find you if they want to learn more about your coaching? Yes, I am on LinkedIn, Shelly, S-H-E-L-L-E-Y-K-K-A-Y. That's really LinkedIn is where I hang out the most. But I also have an Instagram account, hey Shelly K. And mm. you can email me at Shelly at Shelly K Coaching. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, I really appreciate it. And Looking forward to uh, connecting again here soon and um, yeah, catching back up. Sounds good. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks, Shelly. 